Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10 of season 6 of the D1 Only podcast presented by TAP, Thoughts, Action and Progress. My name is Eduardo Villalpando and I'm your host and I want to thank our sponsor TAP for making this possible. Also thanks to all the listeners for being here with us. Today we got ourselves a very special guest, Will Johnson. Thank you for being here man and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. Will is an NCAA Division One student athlete at the University of Oregon. While in high school, he was named Most Outstanding Player in the Western League at Palisades High School in California during his senior year, as well as earning First Team All-City and First Team All-League honors. And as I previously mentioned, he's now a student athlete at such a great program like it's the University of Oregon. So congrats on a great career so far, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess let's start with this year before we get into why you decided to commit to Oregon and all of that. Uh, you got to play in six games for the Ducks, and, of course, you guys went to the NCAA tournament where you guys fell, unfortunately, short to USC. But how would you describe the experience of playing collegiate basketball at the highest level this year, and especially with everything that's been happening, of course, with COVID, still the tournament going through and things like that? Yeah, no, I mean, this year was a, a crazy year. You know, we had two or three times where we had to sit out because of COVID. Um, we had guys test positive. So, you know, that's 10 days minimum that we're away from each other. We're not being able to practice. But, you know, to make it as far as we did with, you know, all the, the obstacles that we had to go through this year, you know, it's just a testament to the guy's character and, you know, our ability to play. Um, you know, I, yeah, this experience, this year was a, a wonderful experience. I mean, anytime you get to go to the tournament and play in the tournament, it's a blessing because, you know, you don't realize it, but, you know, it's it's pretty hard to make the tournament regardless of where you are. And uh, to be able to win two or three games in the tournament as well is, you know, a blessing in itself. So, you know, I wouldn't trade this experience for anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention, actually. How big of a statement do you think the Pac-12 conference made during this year's NCAA tournament? Because I feel like over the last couple of years, the Pac-12 was kind of a slept on when it came to the NCAA tournament. But this year with USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Oregon State all making good runs. So what do you think of just the level of competitiveness inside the, the conference? I mean, yeah, I think the Pac-12 has been, you know, kind of disrespected, um, nationwide uh but i think this year you know kind of woke everybody up i mean both on the men's side and the women's side you know the women's championship was two pack 12 teams so it doesn't get much better than that but uh you know for for the i think sweet 16 or elite eight we had a few teams in the pack 12 it's just you know you can't ignore the talent that comes out of the west any longer and so i think you know the state the statement that the pack 12 made was necessary um and it you know it woke a lot of people up yeah, for sure. So is West Coast the best coast? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's the best coast. You know, there's good players everywhere. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it's different types of basketball, different, you know, stigmas that come with, you know, East Coast, I would say. Yeah. So since we're you were talking a little bit about the women's basketball tournament in the NCAA, and of course, as you know, like when it first started, the, the NCAA kind of received some criticism because of the weight room that happened at least at first. What are your thoughts on this and how do you think this will change in the future? Because I feel like what a lot of people don't understand is that, is that there's a lot of demand for women's athletics. So it's just a matter of investing in, in, in it, I guess. Yeah, you know, honestly, I was kind of shocked when I saw uh, the video uh, of the weight room. I mean, I, you know, I, I thought it was a joke. Like, there's no way, you know, the you know, teams should be getting a few weights and a few yoga mats. Like, that's just, you know, complete disrespect. But, um, 
you know, I, I think that, you know, social media, you know, social media has a lot of pros, a lot of cons, but this exposed something that I'm sure, you know, the women's side has been dealing with for a while. And, you know, I hope moving forward that, you know, the NCAA makes the necessary changes to, you know, make it more equal and more fair, like they're always trying to promote. Yeah, it's crazy, man. To me, I also saw it, I think it was on Twitter. I think Barstool Sports posted it or something like that. And at first, like, just like you, I thought it was a joke. But then I actually realized that it was serious and I and I realized how how bad it was, you know, especially for the women's and how I, I would have felt like as disrespected as they felt, you know. And also I was having this conversation with one of my peers the other day. How often do you do weight? Did you do weights while at the tournament? Um, you know, we, we were doing it probably like four or five times a week. We were doing it fairly often. All right. And how was the life inside of the NCAA bubble? Because I imagine you guys were getting tested like pretty often, but at the same time, it's like, it's also pretty hard to social distance when being with your team, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, we weren't, yeah, we, we had to stay in the hotel. We weren't really allowed to you know, leave the premise that often we did have the NCAA did uh, set up a couple trips. We went to Top Golf, um, we went to the zoo, and they had a field across the street where we could play. You know, we could play catch, football, kick soccer balls, like that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it was a lot of time to yourself. I mean, we, I spent me personally, I spent a lot of time in my room um, by myself. You know, just because. You know, they didn't want people congregating in big groups and they didn't want teams mingling with each other. You know, I knew a couple of people from different teams, but it's not like we could hang out or anything. And so we were getting tested every day. And, you know, the NCAA did a great job. I mean, you got to give a lot of props to them for being able to handle the virus the way they did and still put on, you know, a tournament that happens every year. Yeah, for sure. And do you think the pandemic made you... Uh, how, how, let me let me think how can I phrase this question do you think the pandemic made you spend time by yourself a little bit more than if you would than if the, it would have not happened yeah definitely I mean they they uh, in a Pac-12 tournament and NCAA tournament they were talking they wanted guys to not necessarily hang out with each other even in even in each other's rooms just in case you know somebody tested positive and then contact tracing or whatever so You know, I spent a lot more time um, with myself by myself than previous years, for sure. Okay, and previously you were telling me a little bit about how you guys literally stopped practices for like like three times throughout the entire uh, cal like schedule basketball schedule. How how was that? Was it just like one player gets tested and if he comes back positive, or if a player from the other team gets tests positive, then you have to isolate for like five days and get everyone gets tested, or how does it work? Uh, yeah, so we had these little like chip things that they would give us that we put in our sock or put in a little like sleeve they made for our jerseys that um, just kind of tracked, uh, you know, they tracked each other. So if you were within six feet of another person with a chip and they tested positive, then you were considered, you know, a high risk and you were considered a contact trace. So, you know, we would have guys test positive during, I mean, from practice or, or whatever happened. And then in practice, you know, we would be around those guys um, and, uh, you know, multiple guys would contact trace. They wouldn't necessarily be, um, they wouldn't test positive for the virus, but just because they were around as a precautionary thing, they just wanted to sit everybody else. So, you know, we had that, we had that right before we went to the, uh, LA, we, we were supposed to play UCLA, USC. Um, 
we had it one more time in the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what happened with VCU. They had a couple guys test positive, And so, you know, luckily we didn't um, come into contact or, you know, play against them because we probably would have had to sit out and not been able to play Iowa in the next round. But, you know, it's crazy. This was a crazy year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, man. It has to be brutal, especially imagine like just try telling like 18 to 21 year olds, yo, like you guys can't do anything aside from just practicing. Like I imagine yeah. like that's that's pretty hard. But let's take it let's take it a couple of years back uh, coming from high school. As I previously mentioned, you went to Paci Pacific Palisades, which is in Southern California. How is it that you decided Oregon is where you wanted to continue your basketball career at? Uh, well, I wasn't really a highly recruited guy um, out of high school. Um, I had a few looks from schools, um, but so I, I decided to go to Oregon. Uh, well, I, I came on as a preferred walk-on, which I was like the first of that title, I guess. Um, and I wanted to go to Oregon because I wanted to accept the challenge. Like, I, you know, I knew I was good enough to play with the guys and, you know, I held my own. Um, and, you know, I'd always been a, a Duck fan. Like, I remember before I had any contact with any Oregon coaches or Um, or anything. I was watching uh, that season. It was Peyton Pritchard's freshman season with like Dylan Brooks and Jordan Bell, Chris Boucher when they went to the Final Four. And you know, I was just that was my favorite team of the year. They just had so many weapons. They played the basketball the right way. And you know, I was just like, dang, I would love to be able to go to Oregon. And then it kind of manifested itself a few months later. And you know, um, I was able to come into contact with one of the assistant coaches, and they said, yeah, we you know. We like your film. If you want to come on, come to the school as a preferred walk-on, we'd love to have you. So I took the chance and, you know, I, I wouldn't, it, it tested me uh, mentally, physically, um, but no, it was a, it was a great experience. So what is, what exactly a preferred walk-on means? What does that mean? Um, you know, I don't know the, you know, the, the details, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's not, it's not like a traditional walk on, like we had like practice players and, yeah. and other guys. Um, I was traveling, uh, I registered my first year, but I was traveling with the guys. Like I was, you know, part of the team, like a, a normal scholarship player. So before we continue with another episode of the D1 only podcast presented by tap, we want to talk to you about our sponsor thoughts, actions and progress who provide the opportunity to any athlete around the world to build their own mental program. TAP, Thoughts, Actions, and Progress, offers self-thought manuals focused on the athlete's mindset growth. They give athletes the opportunity to create their own mental program, and these are manuals adapted for different levels at an affordable price. Everyone go check out tapmindset.com as well as the Instagram page tapmindset for more information. All right. So from my understanding, you're now on a scholarship at Oregon. As you said, before before trying out, you had kind of no Division One offers, from my understanding. How was the grind during those months of uncertainty? And what advice would you give high school athletes who are not that highly rated? Because I've heard that multiple times, you know, that so many players in high school get like too caught up in the rankings in, oh, I'm a two-star, oh, I'm a three-star. And they kind of don't understand that the their high school rankings don't necessarily limit their future success after college or in college, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas always preaches it, believing in yourself. Like, you know, if, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. So, you know, I always believed in myself. I always stayed true to the grind. You know, I knew what I had to do every day. Um, I knew where I wanted to be. And so that just kept pushing me despite, you know, not having any offers and not, you know, with so much uncertainty with my, you know, Uh, athletic future um 
but yeah, no, I just, you know, it was, it was definitely, I had definitely, definitely difficult moments on the road, uh, especially right before, uh, coming to Oregon. Cause I was looking at JUCOs and, you know, I knew I was good enough to play at the division one level and it's just, I just wasn't getting the recognition I thought I deserved. And so, but you know, I just believed in myself and I bet on myself. And so, you know, it paid off in the end. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I'm glad you phrased it that way. So did you always think as a high school student that you wanted to be a Division One student athlete? Or is that something that came to your head as you were getting better and better results, both individually and collectively? Um, I mean, honestly, like, so before I went to high school, I, I, I mean, I played basketball when I was younger. But, um, you know, I, I turned into a little bit of a skater. I was just hanging out. I wasn't, you know, too much into sports. And my mom made me go to a summer camp, um, a basketball summer camp for put on by the coaches at my high school. And so um, that was when I really started to take basketball seriously. So, you know, going summer going into ninth grade. And over time, I just kept working. I just came became, like, addicted to the grind. And, like, me, I feel like when I start something, like, I'm trying to go all the way, you know, there's, it's, it's all or nothing for me. And so, um, it kind of, it kind of dawned on me, you know, as a, you know, night as I was going into 10th grade, going into, uh, the next season after my freshman year that, you know, I would love to play at the division one level. And so I'm going to work every day and I'm going to do what it takes to do it. Yeah. Because I mean, I feel that, I mean, it's no secret that Division One level is the highest level in collegiate athletics, but at the same time, I feel that a lot of people overlook the opportunity of going to a Division Two, Division Three, or even a junior college. You know, right now, the trend on Netflix is Last Chance You. I mean, and they're completely right. You know, there's so many different backgrounds in junior colleges. Like, I, I don't know if you watch the TV show, but there's like a guy who like was like highly rec recruited, but didn't have good grades or mm -hmm. basically he skipped a year or things like that, you know? So I think that although Division One athletics should be the main goal for everyone, I think that they shouldn't just say no to a Division Two or Division Three offer or a junior college offer because at the end of the day, the journey is different for everyone, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, so um, uh, for the people who don't know, your grandfather is UCLA Hall of Famer Marquise Johnson and your father Chris was a member of UCLA's 1995 NCAA championship team. They are both also the only father-son combination to win national titles at the same school. What would you say the importance of creating your own lane is in today's sports and did that have anything to do with your decision of going to Eugene instead of Westwood? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I always wanted to, you know, live up to the expectations my, my grandpa and my dad set. Um, but as I got older, I realized, you know, I'm my own person and, uh, I, you know, solidifying, you know, who I am and my status in society is what I care about more. And, uh, you know, when I was coming out of high school, I, we had talks with UCLA, but um, at the time it, it just wasn't going to work with the coaching staff and everything. And so, um, you know, Oregon did give me a chance and – You know, just to stay in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 was a blessing. I mean, it's a power five. Like, uh, I think that – I'm not sure exactly, but I think uh, we're probably one of the few grandfather-father-son uh, combo, grandson combos to win a Pac-12 championship. Um, and so, you know, that's a blessing within itself. Yeah, right. The, the, I don't think it really gets any much better than that, right? 
for you yeah. too. No, it doesn't. Yeah, and actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, a couple of years back, when I lived in Southern California in LA, I went to back when Lonzo was there at UCLA, and he was mm -hmm. taking like Southern California by storm. I went to watch. Uh, it was UCLA, Oregon at Poly Pavilion. Back then at Oregon, it was Jordan Bell. It was Dylan Ennis mm -hmm. and a couple of other guys. But I remember just like the atmosphere for collegiate basketball was like so awesome, you know. And how would you compare, because you've seen it both, you know, pre-COVID and now with COVID. How would you compare both experiences of just having no fans in the stands? I mean, nothing substitutes the fans. Like, the fans, when I first, because I, I had never played in the big arena before um, coming to Oregon. So my first game, I remember it was like a scrimmage against Idaho. And uh, I was just, I was amazed by, you know, how many fans, all the lights, like it, the, 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 the level of excitement, you know, how loud they were. I mean, so you know, I, we did miss that this year. I mean, it, it, it is harder playing with no fans because, you know, as our coaches were always saying, you got to, BYOJ, bring your own juice. So, you know, we're the only ones who can, you know, get turned, get hyped on the bench, give our guys energy type thing. And, uh, yeah, we, de I mean, we definitely, I mean, everywhere missed out on, on fans this year. So, for you, is it easier to play with an empty arena just in, when it comes to shooting or when it comes to like finishing in transition or things like that? Or do you, would you say you prefer fans? Um, I mean, honestly, probably prefer fans just because, you know, you get the, the excitement and you get the cheers and everything after. And so it gives you it, it gives you kind of an extra jolt of energy. Yeah. Uh, so, to, I mean, for me, your story is awesome because you also were like number 54, which is retired at Poly Pavilion, from my understanding. So mm -hmm. were you pretty set on that's the number you wanted or when, when you go to Oregon and saw it was available, were you like, okay, let me see that number real quick? Yeah, um, I think if I wouldn't have gone to a Pac-12 school, I probably would have uh, worn a different number. But just because I went to Oregon, I chose 54. Okay, nice. Uh, so just a couple of more questions before we get to the final segment of the podcast episode presented by TAP, Toss Action and Progress. Uh, mental health is something we really care about in the D1 Only podcast presented by TAP. I feel like it's really important for student athletes to have a clear mind in order to be fully productive both on the court and off the court. Considering you're doing school, weights, practices, traveling during the weekends, do you think players realize the importance of it? Uh, no, I don't. I think it's extremely undervalued, underappreciated in athletic culture. And, you know, I, I always urge people, always urge younger athletes that I've tried to take under my wing to, you know, start caring about their mental health, health more, start going outside more, being off technology, doing stuff for you because, you know, athletics uh, they require a lot and uh you know sometimes it could be overwhelming and sometimes you know you want you don't know how to cope with you know failures or obstacles and so i mean i, I think athletic uh, mental health is by far not by far but i think it's significantly more important than physical okay and is that something that you have focused on in your time at school or when did you realize the importance of it Um, honestly, I didn't realize the importance of it until a few years ago. It was definitely, you know, when I became an upperclassman. Um, you know, I started, I tried meditating. I mean, I didn't stick with it for long, but I noticed uh, significant changes in, you know, just kind of how I operate, how I think, how I react to situations when I became more mindful of, you know, how I'm feeling. And, you know, I think mental health is just... I mean, you see athletes in the NBA talk about it. Like Kevin Love's a big one, a big guy who uh, started to bring it up more. And I think, you know, the culture 
of sports and specifically basketball, you know, guys, you know, coaches like to, you know, push to say, uh, you know, just keep pushing, you know, just, you know, get over it kind of thing. Like, you know, you're, you're soft or whatever, whatever the stigmas around mental health are. But I think everybody goes through their own issues and everybody needs to be mindful that, you know, it plays a significant part in your performance as an athlete. Yeah, and I also, I think I heard it the other day, I don't know, I think it was Drew Hanlon, NBA skills trainer Drew Hanlon, he was like, normally when players are going through slumps, it has nothing to do with basketball, but everything to do with life, you know, so if, mm-hmm. like, if you're, if you're not thinking well off the court, normally it's going to transition into the court, and that's not really what a student, what a student athlete wants, so I think that, as years go by, I think some student athletes are realizing the importance of it, and why, like, the university resources, like all these big institutions have big resources when it comes to mental health. And as you said, like this stigma is crazy, but the fact that more and more players are talking about it, also the murder rose, and I know he's a huge advocate for it. So yeah, I'm glad the stigma is kind of ending around it in sports. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so this is the last segment of the podcast. It's called the D15 presented by TAP. It's basically five rapid fire questions. You can answer them as fast as you can, okay? Okay. California or Oregon? Uh, Oregon. Athletics or academics? Athletics. Favorite college memory? Uh, uh, winning the Pac-12 tournament. Most listened artist at the moment? Lauren Hill. Other than tennis, than basketball related, what profession would you like to attempt? Um, <laughs> a professional investor. <laughs> nice so is is that something are you in that wave right now oh yeah no i'm big I, i've <laughs> uh my, my focus has shifted a lot to investing and wealth building and financial literacy nice man wait i actually didn't get to ask you what's your major uh political science oh, okay and why why did you choose that was it something that it just came to you as a freshman or is that something you're actually trying to do something after college um I mean, if I'm just being honest, I never had any intentions of, um, you know, using that major for a yeah. profession. I, you know, my mom was a political science major, and so I just decided to <laughs> just become one. And, yeah, you'll you know, give it a go, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, perfect, Will. Thank you so much, man. I know you're busy right now. The end of this day is the end of the season right now, but I really appreciate you taking the time for keeping the hundred with me. Um, with all the listeners, I think that your story is awesome, man. I think it's important to create your own lane. I think it's important to focus on mental health. And who better to talk to us about that than you, right? So thank you so yeah. much, man, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks also to all the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the D1 Only Podcast presented by TAP, Thoughts, Actions, and Progress. And see you guys next time.